So here is 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, um, from the Amplified Translation of the Bible. The one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him. Next verse. Not God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose. To do what? Read it with me nice and loud. To destroy the works of the devil. This is why we celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate Christmas because Jesus came as a little baby. We celebrate Christmas because it was the beginning of the end for the kingdom of darkness. The beginning of the end of sin's domination of mankind. Okay? Now you say, well, if I look at the world around me right now, it seems like the kingdom of darkness is prospering. No, it's just the death throes. It's just the, just the beginning of the end. And so the enemy who knows what his end is, 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 is just pulling out all the stops now, trying to cause as much violence, as much upheaval, as much lawlessness, as much craziness and confusion and turmoil and fear. And fear, because when you get into fear, you can't stand in faith. And Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So if the enemy can cause as many people as possible to get into fear, then the faith level is going to drop. Do you remember that, that Christmas movie? How many have seen the movie Elf? How many of you have seen it about 20 times? Okay. So you remember uh, towards the end of the movie when Santa, who hasn't seen it? Well, sorry, it's going to be a, I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, at the end, of, towards the end of the movie, when he's in Central Park and, and the sleigh, the little mechanism on that makes the sleigh go, uh, it's, it's out of power and the little girl starts singing uh, or whoever, the young lady starts singing, uh, Santa Claus is coming to town. And so the more they sang, the, the power level went up. You remember that? The power level went up on that machine that drives the, causes the sleigh to, to fly and all that other stuff. Well, think about this. When you get into fear and you, and you walk in fear, you speak fear, you make your decisions based on fear, your power level goes down. Your faith level goes down. You can't fly. But when you refuse fear, when you begin to declare the promises of God, you declare the goodness of God, you place your faith in God, you're thinking faith, you're talking faith, you're acting faith, what ends up happening? Man, that power level just comes up. And that's where the church needs to be today. Recognize, okay? Now, when I talk about things like this, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the forces behind people. There is a concerted effort, there is... A, a working out of a strategy to cause the majority of the, human, of the human race right now that is alive on the earth to tremble in fear, especially the church. Especially the church. Watch your fear level, okay? Well, this is going in a different direction tonight. I gotta get back on track. But you see what I'm saying, okay? Now, what we're gonna be talking about is the reason that we celebrate this, the reason for it all, and here's the reason. Sin has been defeated. Are you listening to me? Sin has been defeated. Sin is the reason why we have sickness in the earth. 
Sin is the reason why relationships break up. Sin is the reason why people get oppressed in their minds and their emotions run wild. Sin is the cause of all this. Now, I don't go out of here saying, well, pastor said if I'm sick, that means I'm in sin. I didn't say that. Although sin can open up the door of sickness into an individual's life. But it doesn't mean because you came down with this or that or you got diagnosed with that thing that it is directly connected to your sin. It's sin in general over all of mankind that was allowed to come into the earth through Adam and Eve. It's that sin that opened up the door for the devil to come and manifest himself. Okay? Can we go back to that? Uh, Anthony, can you go back to that verse of scripture there? Thank you. Now, the Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Now, if we were to read this in the New King James, I like it a little bit better, but I wanted to bring out the rest of this in the Amplified. It says it this way. For, for, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. You got it? You, you see it? Okay. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. Say manifest. Okay, manifest, not created. Okay, we, we seem to think sometimes, if we're not careful what you think, well, Jesus started in Bethlehem. No, Jesus came on the scene in Bethlehem. Jesus always was, always will be. Amen? Amen. Always is. Jesus is eternal. Because Jesus is God, okay? But he manifested himself on the earth according to God's plan, came into this realm, into this plane, if you want to put it, into the human experience because a man gave away the kingdom and sin. A man had to come back and retrieve it. Okay? You got that? It had to be a man. He had to be born into this earth as a man. Why? Because a man lost it. A man had to regain it. You got it? And so for this purpose, for what purpose? To destroy the works of the devil. This is the reason for it all. Christmas Day, no matter what day it falls on, whether it's December 25th or whatever day it is, every year you go through all these, you know, I'm going to get a million questions. Or what, do you, what day you think it was? What difference? It was on a day. I don't know what day it was. <laughs> the church chose to, 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 to celebrate December the 25th. It's not impossible that it was that day. But, well, I think it was in September. I think it was, well, take what you want. You know, there's some people that say, well, it was in the springtime. Other people that in the fall. It doesn't make a difference. It happened on a day. Amen. Turn to somebody say, it happened on a day. Amen. Okay, so we choose December 25th. Uh, this, is what, this is when we celebrate. So what are we celebrating? We celebrate the beginning of our rescue. Amen? We celebrate the beginning of our rescue. Take away all the other tchotchkes and take away all the other decorations. This is wonderful. It's beautiful. This is what we're all used to. But when you really take it away from it, this is the beginning of the end for the devil. And I think that's why there's been so much controversy about Christmas throughout all the centuries. So, he came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy, in the original language, could be translated to paralyze, to neutralize, to render ineffectual, okay? Let's think about it. We just prayed a few prayers for a few different things. And that's why sometimes when we pray according to the results we wanna see, we will say according to the authority that God has given us, because you and I have been seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, far above every level of 
of, of, of darkness, of the kingdom of darkness, because the kingdom of darkness has a bureaucracy. The kingdom of darkness has levels of authority, just like the kingdom of God, okay? And so we're told in, in Ephesians chapter 2, or chapter 1, actually end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, that you and I have been seated with Christ. How many of you were in Christ here tonight? How many, in Christ, you're born again, your spirit's connected to him. Come on, let me see your hands. Okay, so you and I are in the spirit realm, are seated with Christ. Where's Christ seated? At the right hand of the Father, yes or no? Yeah, so he's seated in a place of authority because we're in him. We're seated in a place of authority. So if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and he turned all authority over unto us, then now who gets to tell the devil what to do? So then that's why we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, with the authority you've given us, we bind the enemy from operating in this area. What are we doing? We could say it this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, with the authority you've given us by the power of the blood, we paralyze the enemy. We neutralize the enemy. We render ineffectual the works of the enemy. Are you getting this? In other words, devil, stop it right now in Jesus' name. You're getting this. Now, now, some of you need to get your boldness level up because it would, well, pastor could pray that way, but I'm not, I don't know I can pray that way. No, you're a Christian. You're a believer. You have the Holy Ghost in you. You are seated at the right hand of God with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principality and powers and rulers of darkness and every scheme of the devil and every level of the devil's army, if I could put it in plainer language like that. You, they have to listen to you. The forces of darkness have to, well, I've only been saved. Doesn't matter. The moment after you said, Christ Jesus, come into my heart, be my Lord, be my Savior, you had the authority to turn around and go, now, devil, get off my back, get off my family, get out of my health, get off of my finances. And he would have to listen to you. Do you see the character of God in this? Why? Because now he's allowing a flesh and blood mortal body, human being, who is now born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, to humiliate an individual, an entity, who really, speaking in spiritual terms, we're no match for in ourselves. But we're not in ourselves now. We are in... Wow, that really blew me over. We are in, we are in who? Let's do it again like we really believe it. We are in who? Christ. And Christ is where? In us. So when you speak on the authority of the name of Jesus, and when you speak based on the promises of God, the devil has to listen just as if Jesus himself was in your place speaking the same thing. Look, this isn't a cliche. This isn't a hype thing. This is biblical, doctrinal, scripturally accurate truth. So... Let's turn it around. If you don't speak, if you don't bind the enemy, if you don't paralyze his efforts, if you don't render his conspiracies and his strategies ineffectual, and people get hurt, whose fault is it? We didn't like that one. Well, I just believe that God's going to do it all. No, you can believe what you want. You can, your belief can't supersede the word of God. Jesus said, all authorities be given unto me. 
You therefore go and do whatever I would do. You listening? That puts us in a really good position. You have the ability to stop the devil in his tracks. Stop acting like this weak, deficient, no power. Stop it. Jesus died on the cross to invest his power, his authority in you. How many have ever had power of attorney given to you to take care of a specific situation? Let me see your hands. Power of attorney, power of attorney, power of attorney. Carolyn, you understand what power of attorney is, okay? Okay, so, so the same way you had a power of attorney that was probably limited to a specific purpose for a specific time that you were given by somebody, let's say somebody, uh, maybe uh, someone in your family was elderly and they could no longer take care of their own uh, finances and take care of their bills. And their, so what happens? Uh, the family gets together and say, okay, you're going to be the one that's going to have power of attorney for mom or dad or grandpa or whatever. What happens? The person doesn't cease to exist, not yet. But what happens is they give you the authority delegated to you to operate on their behalf in those legal matters. Yes or no? Okay, so, so it's going to be limited to the terms of that power of attorney. Now, if you've got a good lawyer, not a shyster, he's going to make sure that he spells it out that, you know, you can do this, but you can't do that. Jesus, Jesus, you know, hooks up with the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit was introduced to us originally in, in John chapter 14 as the advocate. Ad, how many know that word advocate? How many, how, how many people speak Spanish here tonight? Let me see your name. What's, what's the word for a lawyer? Abogado. You see, you see, advocate, abogado. Okay? What does an abogado do? An abogado stands on your behalf, talks to a judge, straightens it out, writes a letter, uh, cites a legal precedent. It's, a, it's not you. He's not you or she's not you, but they represent you, right? Okay. So you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus, but I'm in him. And so he's given me, man, this is so different tonight, but he's, but he's given me the permission to operate as if I am him, as it pertains to the devil, as it pertains to this planet that's cursed, as it pertains to sickness and disease, as it pertains to poverty and lack He's given you and I the permission, the authority delegated to us that from the time that we say Jesus came into our heart to the time that we enter into eternity, we have power of attorney to operate on behalf of Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Now, who's with us? Man, this is good. Who's with us here on earth? Okay, I'm blessing myself tonight. Who's with us here? You don't go to court, but you're a fool if you go to court by yourself. When you go to court and you've got to fight a battle, who do you have with you? An abogado, a lawyer, an advocate. Are you getting this? For you to go by yourself, you're crazy because you're, you're, you, you're stepping into territory that you're not prepared for. But we have an advocate who's called... The Holy Ghost. Are you listening to me? So when you and I have to go to battle, we say to him, according to Romans chapter 8, Holy Spirit, come and take hold together with me against. That is, that's legal language. 
It's Romans chapter 8, verse 26. 8.26, right? Sunanti lambeno. Come and come hold together with us, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit rises up in you and helps you. He doesn't fight the battle for you. He helps you. Are you listening? He gives us the authority. Jesus gave us the authority. That's why the Holy Spirit was left here on earth. Why? Because you and I cannot fight these battles on our own. So when it comes to sin, and we're going to see this, I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. When it comes to sin, we have to apply the same thing. I have an advocate. I have the Holy Ghost. When I tap into him and I give him permission to help me, he will help me to resist sin. Why? Because if we're not about resisting sin, then why did Jesus have to come to this earth and suffer and die? See, you can't separate Christmas from Easter. Now, in our culture, we like to do that. We have different decorations. It happens at different times of the year. You have certain customs and traditions that you have for Christmas, most of which are not scriptural. Okay, but, but we grew up with these things, and so, you know, we tolerate it as long as it's not hurting anybody. Okay, but Easter has a whole different set of, different set of things. Okay, and, and of course, then, the enemy, centuries ago and centuries ago, tried to bring the secular stuff into Easter. And so Easter time, we so cute little bunnies and Easter eggs. And all this. It has nothing to do with it. But you cannot separate Christmas from Easter. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. So he comes to earth. He's manifested on, at Christmas, but he destroys the work of the devil on Easter. You catching this? So if we're not going to at least give a, 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 if we're not going to at least give some effort to resisting sin, if we're just going to keep living like sin doesn't matter, guys, listen to me. How does that honor the Lord Jesus Christ? How does that honor what He suffered and endured? It doesn't. So basically, we're saying, I'll take you as Savior, but maybe once in a while, I'll let you be Lord. You listening? No. No. He's got to be Lord. Just like he's got to be Savior. He's got to be Lord. He has to be the one that calls the shots. Are you getting this? So for this purpose, he came to earth to destroy, to paralyze, to neutralize, to render ineffectual. What is the work of the devil that he came to destroy? The work of the devil is to trap human beings in sin. What is, the very first, what is the very first thing we see the devil do the very first time he's mentioned in Scripture? Very first time he's mentioned in Scripture. Okay, what's he doing? He's tricking Eve. He's tricking her to do what? To sin. He tricked her to take the faith that they had in God Almighty, the Creator, disconnected from God and connected to the devil. And from that point until now, we have been in that tug of war in our souls and our spirits. Tug of war. Sometimes we lean towards the enemy. Sometimes we lean towards our spirit where the Holy Spirit lives. Okay? Ideally, we're better off going in that direction, leaning towards the Holy Spirit. But let's be honest with each other. Every once in a while, he gets over on us. And we lean in our flesh 
towards the enemy, towards what the enemy would want us to do. Yes or no? Am I talking to myself tonight? Am I, am I talking to myself tonight? Okay. All right. So, to trap human beings in sin. What is sin? What is sin? Scripturally talking about sin. Well, it's when I tell a lie. No, those are manifestations of sin. But what is sin in the most broad, general terms? Well, if you look it up in the New Testament, and you look up in the original language, the word sin in the New Testament is the Greek word harmatia. However you want to pronounce it, that's how you spell it. Harmatia. It's an archery term. Okay? It means to miss the mark. All right? So God has a mark. He's got a standard. Okay? You, you follow me? He has a standard that he would want us to live by. Jesus came and died on the cross so that we would live by that standard. That's why Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the standard of God. Okay? You getting this? So, so you and I are going through life on a daily basis... And we're having to choose. Are we going to hit the mark? Or are we not going to hit the mark? When we live in the flesh and we do whatever our flesh tells us and we live by our emotions, live by our feelings, I don't like you, you did something to me, I don't like you. So therefore, my decisions, my, my thoughts, my speech, my conduct are going to be influenced by those emotions and therefore, I'm going to miss the mark every single time. Why? Because God doesn't want us to live on those emotions. God doesn't want, to, want us to live offended. God doesn't want us to live holding grudges, having hatred for people. You listening to me? So if we don't eliminate that, and I'm not telling you always going to be successful in restoring relationships, but what matters is how are you handling it in your heart? Do not let it be a cause for you to miss the mark. Okay? So when we sin, we are missing God's standard. We're accomplishing uh, or hitting the mark on a target that is completely different than the target that God has for our life. You getting it? Sin is missing the mark. It's missing the target. It is not uh, being conscious about aiming towards what God wants in our life. It is living this life. And and listen to me. Um, How do I present this? A lot of Christians today... I'm not saying you, but a lot of Christians today have this idea that, well, I'm saved. I received Christ, so what I do from this point doesn't matter. Because I'm under grace. I've already been forgiven. Okay, well, the God, our creator, your father, Jesus, your savior, is not the only entity that you need to be concerned about when it comes to sin. Because you've got an enemy, you've got the accuser of the brethren, you have the devil who hates you because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. That wants to trap you and cause you to fall into sin as much as he possibly can. So why, for what reason? Well, pastor, are you saying that I'm gonna go to hell if I sin after I become a Christian? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is it possible that through sin, especially repeated sin, continual sin, that you might be opening up the door for the enemy to come in to attack your life, to attack your health, to attack your family, to attack your finances, okay? You still have an adversary. We're saved, we're going to heaven. Our sins are forgiven, okay? And even the sins you didn't commit yet are forgiven. 
But we think it's only God that we need to be concerned about and because everything between us and God is okay. No, you have a devil. Okay, you have an adversary. You have the spirit of darkness that's looking for every occasion to, to gain a foothold or a toehold in your life. You listening to me? You can't afford to walk around with your mouth open and catch flies. If that wasn't true, then Peter wouldn't have wrote to the church, be vigilant, be aware, be on top of things. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, roams about like a what? Roaring lion, seeking whom he what? May devour, may devour. He cannot just devour, but if you give him an opportunity, he can devour. He'll attack you. You might go home to heaven early. You may leave a family. You, you see what I'm saying? We have this idea. Well, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. It doesn't matter how I live because Jesus already forgave my sins. No, it doesn't work that way, sweetheart. In fact, if that was the case, then why would we need the New Testament writings at all? All the letters that are written to the church in the New Testament are written to us to tell us, show us, instruct us, guide us how we're supposed to live between the moment you said, Jesus, come into my life, and the moment you step into eternity. Okay? During that, in that time span, in that window of opportunity, we are given instruction how we're supposed to live. If it didn't matter, why would we be told constantly throughout the New Testament, love one another, love one another, love one another, forgive one another, carry each other's burdens? Why? Because you could just, hey, I'm saved. All my sins are forgiven. I could treat you like garbage. It doesn't matter. Honey, it doesn't work that way. Are you with me? Yes. Are you catching this? Yes. I hope so. Amen. Okay? Number two, it matters very much whether we live in sin or not. Because there's a lost world that's looking to you. There's a lost world that's watching you. Coworkers, extended family members. You may even have a spouse who's not. My wife watched me for a year and a half when I first got saved because she's thinking my crazy husband got involved in another, another, another fad. But she watched me for a year and a half. I didn't say to you that I was perfect during that year and a half. I wasn't. But she saw my attempt to live in a different way than I had lived before. So that, that spoke to her. I don't know that she would have came into the church and come into this salvation if... I had just turned around and lived just like I was living before. What, if there's no evidence of change, it, that doesn't get anybody's attention. Okay, you and I have an obligation. We need to live a specific way according to the scriptures. Why? You've got somebody watching you. You're here tonight sitting here probably, probably because you watched somebody in your life live different after they said, I've received Christ. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. Yes or no? Yes. You wouldn't pay attention to the person if they kept sinning, kept living any way they want, kept treating people like garbage. You wouldn't pay attention. You'd say, ah, this stuff is baloney. None of it works. person just said a prayer, and they're still living the way they did. You listening to me? Yes. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the evil one. The evidence that he's destroyed the works of the evil one is found in our lives does anybody get anything tonight? Or did Jesus come here to look at the Christmas decorations? Yeah. 
I didn't even get to the beginning of the message yet. I'm not kidding you. I didn't even get to the foundational scripture yet. It's been good though, right? So, the greatest debt that we have is the debt of sin. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let, let's break that down. For the wages of sin, what are wages? What, what would we, what's the term we would use today? Pay, salary, compensation. Uh, we could even say consequence, okay? So the paycheck for sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a reward. Now, it's not a reward for you living right. It's a reward for you putting your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? But to the person who refuses to do that and just refuses and rejects salvation, rejects Jesus Christ, rejects the word of God, there is a payback for it. There's a paycheck. And it's what? Death. Death. Well, we're all going to die, Pastor. Yeah, we, we are. I think some of us are going to be around when Jesus comes very soon. Okay? But for some of us, we're going to take our last breaths at some point. That's true. We're all going to have, for the majority of mankind, has and will experience physical death. Okay? But this is talking about more than that last moment that your body, your heart's ticking and you're breathing. This is talking about a lifestyle and the quality of life. Because you see, the opposite of that first part of the phrase, for the wages of sin is death, the opposite of it is, you see that word but? You see the word but? Yes. It's, that, that word's good for that but to be there, Okay. That word now tells us, now the opposite of that idea is the rest of this verse. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you don't understand the principles of salvation, you would think, oh, so that's just talking about when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. No, because when you stepped into salvation, you already stepped into eternity. Now, it doesn't start when you die. It starts when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So if you would go and read the scriptures in the original language, okay, uh, whenever the word life is used in context with God, it's talking about the God quality of life, Zoe life. Zoe life, the God kind of life, started when you said, Jesus, come into my heart. Okay? you now are able to take advantage of all the life of God that is in you now, all the life of God that comes when you read the word and, and life just comes to you and rises up on the inside of you. You're experiencing that. For the, but the person who rejects is also experiencing death in this life. Just as you and I are experiencing life in this life, they're experiencing death. You and I, before we came to Christ, experienced death. Our soul, our spirit was dead. Our soul was experiencing death. Okay? 
uh, we just, our manner of life was not of good quality. Our health may have suffered. Our finances may have Our relationships suffered. When you come into Christ, all of a sudden now, that life that you would think is on reserve in heaven, no, 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 it's available to you now. Okay? But if we're going to continue to sin like a sinner, then we're not going to taste the life to come now in this lifetime. In other words, the hell that you avoided by receiving Christ as Savior, you're going to still live on this earth because you are not taking advantage of the power of God, the grace of God, the power of the Holy Spirit in you to resist getting involved in issues that are going to lead to death in your life, whether death in your finances, death in your health, death in your relationships, death in your self-esteem, death in your, in your ability to think clearly. Those are all manifestations of the kingdom of darkness. Are you getting this? Yes. Okay, are, are you actually getting this? Because it's my responsibility to make sure that this is clear. Okay? Don't just say it because you think that's what I want to hear. Please, uh, I'm sensing that I need to spend a little more time. Um, Jesus promised us abundant life. That abundant life is only found in him. There is no abundant life on this earth in this life without Christ. Well, Pastor, I know plenty of people that are living really good lives. They have a ton of money. So... Yeah, but you're not there when they go to bed at night. You're not there when they're struggling. So you're not there when they're crying in the shower. You're not there when they're confused and driving to work in the morning and saying, what am I even alive for? What is my purpose? You're looking at the outside. Okay? But you can't see the inside. A person that's in the world that doesn't have a relationship with Christ, just like all of us were at one time, lives from the outside in. We live from the inside out. Are you getting this? Do you understand that? You have the life of God in you. You don't need to put things on the outside. We will see the life of God in you. Are you listening to me? We will see it. We'll hear it in your speech. We'll see it in your actions. We'll, 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 we'll watch your life, not to judge it, but to say, oh, wow. I can think of any, uh, I could name a half a dozen people right now that in the last couple of years I've seen drastic change as they allowed the life of God that was in them to come out. But then on the opposite, the person who's living in sin, the person that doesn't want Christ, the person that wants, that's, even a person that could be, they might have said that prayer, but they have to put everything on the outside because I have to show you who I am by my outward and it's all fake and it's all phony. Are you getting this? But when we're in Christ, what's in us eventually is gonna come forth. It's going to come out. We're gonna see it. Are you listening to me? But if we continue to live in sin after we've received Christ, if we continue to allow our flesh, our, our humanity to call the shots, then that stuff's going to get thwarted. We're not going to see it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to enjoy it. That's why it tells us in Romans, if you walk in the spirit, you reap life. If you walk in the flesh, you reap what? Death. I know plenty of Christians, they're going to go to heaven because they place their faith in Jesus Christ. But they're living like hell on the earth because they're not allowing 
the word of God, the spirit of God, to have full reign in their lives. And when you don't have full reign in your life, it's evident. So, so, so let me give you this, and then we'll stop for tonight. We'll pick up next week. Did you learn anything? Yes. Okay. So basically, what we're really talking about here is this, holiness. Holiness. What does it mean? What is holiness? Is holiness, well, uh, I don't wear makeup. I don't wear jewelry. I'm very modest. Type of, no, honey, uh, please, put the makeup on. <laughs> Dress nice. I'm almost done. I can get away with it now. It's not what kind of clothes I wear. It's not what kind of food I eat. It is not my, it's not outward. It's inward. What is holiness? Holiness is this. I am making the choice that in this particular situation here, I'm not going to act like the rest of the world. I'm going to control my thoughts. When my thoughts are, are, are running wild, I'm going to, no, 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 stop it right now. I'm going to pull them back. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the reins on those things because if I keep thinking that way, then the next step is I'm going to start speaking that way. And if I'm thinking and speaking that way, the next step is I'm going to walk that way. So you and I have to take authority over the thoughts that try to come to our mind. Are you listening to me? But watch this now. Don't mix up holiness and righteousness. I'm going to say it again. I want you to think about this. And please don't, don't, don't check out on me now. Only got a minute and a half left or so. Listen to me. You were made righteous by God. Righteousness is a position he chose to put you in. But holiness is your decision and my decision. You listening to me? But listen, listen, listen. I'm going to go over this again more in detail next week. When you're walking in holiness, you know it. When you're not walking in holiness, you know it. There was a time period, every once in a while, I'm still, I still do this. And again, I'm not doing this because you need to do it. I only know my life. I don't know your life. So I can give you an illustration of mine. There was probably about a 10-year period an entire decade, that I would find myself when I would pray, Father, I want to experience the beauty of holiness. The Bible talks about the beauty of holiness. There is a beauty in holiness. Would you not agree? Yes. Okay. And there, and there is an a ugliness in sin. Father, I want to experience the beauty of holiness. I want to walk separate. I want to walk holy. I want to walk before you in a way that's going to glorify you. And, and, and I'm telling you this, and I know you've experienced this. You probably just didn't identify it yet. When we, when we face a temptation or a challenge and we decide, no, 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 no. I'm not going that way. I know what my feelings want. I know what my body's craving. I know what, but no, I'm not going that way. When you do that, you step into Holiness. Now, you're already righteous, but righteousness is, again, God's business for us. But holiness is a choice. And I'm telling you, I, I put it this way. This is how I have 
kind of justified it in my head, if justify is the right word, if this is how I kind of settled it in my soul, when I know that I have now decided that starting today, I'm going to live apart from the rest of the world system as it pertains to this particular thing. And I do not think that way, speak that way, conduct myself that way. I can feel it. You feel it. What is it? It's newness of life. You have just put on Christ. You listen? That's why we're told every day, every day, every day, we got to put Christ on. Every day. Why? Because every day you got to make a decision. Okay? Going to heaven, that's not the issue. But how am I going to live today? So every day I got to make that decision. Now, today I'm walking in holiness. Today I'm walking, I am living as unto you, Father. I am not going to lean to the flesh. I am going to lean to my spirit because my spirit is not going to steer me wrong. Because my spirit is on the influence of the Holy Spirit. Are you getting this? So now, I have this bathrobe that I don't wear that often because when you're walking around and you touch something, it sparks. But it's very warm. It's very fluffy. Um, I wouldn't want anybody to see me in it. Because it's, it's black. And when I wear that, I really look like Uncle Fester. You got that picture in your head now, right? Okay, but no, come on. Listen, we don't have a lot of time here. But watch this now. When I make a decision, no, I don't care what thoughts are hitting me. I don't care what temptation. I don't care how I'm being pulled. I'm being drawn. I'm my flesh. When I refuse to walk in the flesh, I literally can feel like, it's a robe of righteousness. Listen, that's what Adam and Eve lost. You getting this? That is exactly what Adam and Eve lost. See, they were created with that big fluffy. But then all of a sudden when they fell for sin. And so what was their response when God said, Adam, where are you? I hid myself. Why? Because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? He knew he stepped out of that fluffy, warm, comfortable robe, and all of a sudden, he was naked. He was, listen, vulnerable. And we know this is true. Why? Because the very first thing he decided to do was what? Sew fig leaves together. Why? Because he recognized, I'm not who I was. I lost something. I'm vulnerable. And it wasn't a good vulnerable like being transparent. We know he wasn't transparent because he hid. It is in very, very much in our interest for us to walk in holiness, for us to put off sin as much as possible so that we stay in that robe, of, robe that covering of righteousness. What does it mean? Oh, pastor, so did I lose my righteousness? No, no, no. Now, as far as God's concerned, you don't lose your righteousness, but you lose your awareness of your righteousness. 
People say, well, when Adam sinned, he separated himself from God. No, God continues to talk to him. God continues to deal with him. But Adam lost his awareness of what he had. And when you and I decide that we're going to indulge in whatever activity outside of the word of God, not sanctified or not, what's a good word I'm looking for here? Not, not endorsed by the word of God. In other words, when we indulge ourselves in something that we don't have permission from the word of God to do, all of a sudden, that robe, we're not aware of it anymore. Now, as far as God sees you, you're still righteous. He still loves you. You're still going to heaven. Because you didn't get there through your good conduct. You can't lose it by your bad conduct. But you're dying a little bit at a time on the inside. Because you see, your spirit knows what's right. Your spirit is pulling you towards God. Your flesh, and especially if it's a continual lifestyle of sin, your flesh now is becoming used to it. And you don't even realize you're leaning in that direction. But then you feel miserable because there's that tug of war on the inside. Get in that robe. Stay aware of that robe. Stay aware. Put on Christ every day. Deny the flesh. Deny ungodliness. Live up to the standard that's worthy of the blood of Jesus that was shed at the cross. You listening to me? Okay, we're going to stop here. We'll get into the message next week. Amen?